The Boiled Sports Basketball Beat is sponsored by Martin Vintage. Visit martinvintage.com for a great selection of classic Purdue t-shirts. Enter Boiled at checkout for 20% off your entire order. Martin Vintage. Hello and welcome to yet another episode of the Purdue Basketball Beat. Uh, yet another. You yet sound another. so disappointed. I'm not. I'm actually very excited. Ah, <laughs> oh, man. We're here again. <laughs> We're here again. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll bleep that one out. Uh, or, or maybe not. I don't know. Who knows? Uh, I'm just excited because I'm appearing in two episodes of my own podcast. It's that in back to back, too. In back to back. It's not bad. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty jazzed about that. I'm sure the 12 people that listen to this are mixed, mixed emotions. You're making a comeback. I mean, I I don't, I don't think I have like, I don't think I've achieved a niche level status. Um, You've you've still got more followers than me, man. I'm dropping by the day. (laughs) (laughs) You should subscribe. Whoever's listening to this should subscribe. Sure. Why not? Subscribe. Is that what you do on Twitter? Is you subscribe to, yeah, to the podcast, not to, oh, to Twitter. The I don't care. Podcast. Stay away from Twitter. Yeah, Twitter, get is, Twitter is evil and bad and an addiction, mm-hmm. but you should also follow both of us. Follow both of us. <laughs> Ignore the fact that I delete my tweets every 30 days. He's a weirdo. But subscribe to the podcast. Yeah. And if you come across something on the website that tickles your fancy, read it, share it. And do the stuff. We got Michael had a good one. Michael had a good one about football, which we won't talk about because it's basketball season. <laughs> Screw that nonsense. I appreciate. I appreciate. I had two football ones right in a row, and my favorite comment, which we shared in the group chat uh, on Twitter, was Michael comes off pretentious. No, as the pretentious like, one. As the pretentious one, acts like he carries around um, infinite jest at all times. It's the which, best. Is garbage because that book is quite large and my puny arms could not withstand the task of carrying that around all the time. Oh, yeah, that's why you carry it on your e-reader now, nerd. Do, like, yeah, that's true. But then, nerd. but at two in a row. So two in a row in a podcast. I'm practically running this. You're yeah. Oh, you're you're the editor in chief now. <laughs> <laughs> I think you run Deadspin now. Oh no, I don't want that stain on me. Arrested. Give me give me old Deadspin. Rest yeah, in peace. Rest in peace. So ostensibly, uh, this is a Purdue podcast. Sure. Although we can talk about our two favorite subjects, which is the two of us. Yeah. Oh, as yeah. much as we want, but maybe we can talk a little bit about Purdue. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about Purdue so far, Purdue looking ahead, and uh, a regional interest story, and mm. we will celebrate. I don't know if celebrate's the right word. We'll at least discuss. Commemorate. Commemorate the 15-year anniversary of the malice at the palace, which it's, I'm very much looking forward to. This is something that Anish and I talk about. And these are our offline. Year. Yeah, these are our offline conversations. So the season so far has been like up, up and down. Can we say up and down? It's been weird because there there's not a meaningful win yet. Um, you know, it, it's not been like the, uh, Purdue hasn't really had. Um, it, it hasn't strung together two halves against a good team yet. Um, but you you still you can see why this will be you can see the warning signs you know in mm-hmm. four games you can see all the warning signs you can see all of the promise 
uh, it, it was it's almost been an encapsulation i hope not of the season but of all of the worries and hopes that we came into this season having right yep you know and i also look back to last year where purdue didn't exactly light the non-conference on fire no in other words it's great to get a marquee win we all wish that texas game would have gone a little different but it's not necessarily a predictive indicator of how the season is going to go no and and this is what I, i was talking about this on the other pod that like right after i think the texas loss which which is you know this is what matt painter has purchased last year with his run last year and the way that he recovered after the slow start, especially after the Notre Dame game last year, which seemed to be uh, kind of a nadir. Painter has bought a certain level of patience and just stay calm, everyone. It's fine. It'll be fine. And um, while Texas and Marquette didn't go, you know, didn't go the way. like you said, non-conference wins are really important, but what's nice about being in the Big Ten is that you can finish fifth and still have an easy ticket punched you know, for the tournament and still have a favorable run if you're hitting at the right time. And I think Purdue is, is going to finish better than that. I, yes. I'm, I'm still fairly positive. Um, but a couple things still, you know, still need to happen. So the thing that really sticks out to me in four games in, at least from a production standpoint, we're so used to having a guy, whether that's yeah. Swanigan or um, Carson in the last last couple of teams. Uh, this year, four games, four different players led the mm-hmm. team in scoring, mm-hmm. which is uh, can be construed as a good thing or a bad thing, depending on depending on I, how you want to interpret it. I don't. I mean, like that that leader thing uh sometimes is a little bit overblown but in you know in this case it's almost like uh who who do you go to just to settle the team down when you know when texas is making a run uh when marquette is chewing away with 10 minutes left to go chewing away at purdue's double digit lead um i mean that being said i think what were what what did purdue shoot from the line uh, against uh, against Marquette, I think forty sub fifty percent. If we were to say the actual per- shooting percentage, we would have to mark this podcast as not safe for work. Yeah, I mean, like it's bad. Like it, it you know, in, in, at least in the Texas game, um, you know, Purdue didn't shoot too many free throws, but that's the prop. That's another. That's a different problem, right? But right. Purdue shot eight of twelve. Um, in against Marquette. Purdue makes a handful of free throws, and I think the run is stifled a little bit. Um, a little bit. And and a large part of those happened in the first half, where they could have put away the game in the first half. Um, instead, they left them within that striking distance and didn't go. So it's some parts of these small things um, that contributed to the loss that now make those bigger um, you know, those bigger problems a little more exacerbated, right? Like now we're thinking because we missed so many free throws. Now we're thinking about the fact that there's no go-to score um, at the end that Trevion Williams is struggling from the free throw line who Trevion, who actually has been really good these last two games or in those two losses um, needed to be the one to kind of settle Purdue down get the ball in the post, draw the foul and knock down two free throws mm-hmm. and, or grab the, you know, grab a rebound, draw a foul, knock down two free throws just to stem the tide. These are the kind of 
these are the kind of bodies Purdue's used to having um, to stifle a few of the runs. And now the fact that those free throws went out, we're kind of thinking, you know, there's no go-to scorer. Who's the who's the who's the leader? Is it Hunter's team? Is it is it Harms team or No Gel's team? Like now, all of the insecurities are all there, right? Well, and you know, I love the analytics, but I'm a big believer in momentum in basketball. And to your point about hitting a couple of those free throws, I, I think that missing them energizes Marquette. It de-energizes Purdue. It and then it, it, it gives them to look at things. Yeah. And it's a, it gives them, it doesn't force them to take some dumb shots when they might force some dumb shots if they were down, um, you know, 17 instead of 14. Right. And so these are the kind of like slow or like, you know, 14, like down 14 instead of down, you know, 10 or so. These are the small little increments where if they see that they're slowly clawing their way back, they can and there's 10 minutes left to go in the game. You can afford they can afford to be a little patient. Um, And that's just a, you know, a mentality thing. Um. The other thing is your boy. So I'd like um, thank thank I'd like to thank Dowd for uh, t- taking my spot late on the podcast last time, the basketball beat last time, um, and it was nice of him to inquire and be surprised when you said <laughs> that you're, uh, you know, oh who am I looking? Who are you looking for uh, right. this year? Who are you looking to to take the next step? Oh, I'm, you know, I don't know if you know, there's this guy named Aaron Wheeler on the team. He's <laughs> He's kind of he. I kind of like him. You you failed to mention that literally everybody with that frame and with yeah. those kind of same measurable Basil Smotherman on yeah. you are Jacob Lawson. Lawson. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Loved, loved Lawson. Anybody who can cut who can dribble not like Bob Cousy with his head <laughs> like facing the ground and has a decent wingspan and can dunk, you're all for. That's it. That's your guy. And Aaron Wheeler has been Aaron Wheeler has been playing a little bit out of position. Um and he's probably gonna have out of his natural position. I think it is gonna be his most frequent position this year, the power forward spot. Um but he I don't think he outside of the first game has been showing the flashes that I was uh, hoping for, like as a scorer, right? Yeah, as a scorer, I think um, Purdue's offense works really well when people can hit threes and he's up and down. Yeah, yeah he is my type, totally. And uh, Dowd opened the door and I sprinted through it cheering. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's fine. Fine. it's fine. It's fine. Well, all of us, you know, we all have our types. We all have sure. we all have people we naturally gravitate towards. Sure. I should um, dig up some old text messages from you on on Vincent Edwards. Oh yeah. Oh, there's no. Yeah. I mean, like the the Robbie Hummel four. Like that's yeah. yes, I'm in. Yeah. Um, you know, the the natural tendency is just to go to the box score, look at his, you know, look at his numbers and see that they're um, that he's been. You know, just missing some of the shots that that he's been getting up in the Texas game. He was one for three from three in the in the Marquette game. He was uh, one for four. But even that, I I feel like I don't I can't even remember a single shot. Um, I remember a few rebounds of his. I remember oh, yeah. decent defensive possessions of his. But I don't even remember, you know, him getting too many um, shots in the natural like flow of the defense or picking off a steal and taking it 
like in like for the fast break. It's like, but these are the moments that you're kind of hoping for, for, for Aaron Wheeler. And it's not quite there yet. He's got a decent stroke. I would say just keep shooting it. Like, you know, it's, it's yeah. massively improved this year. So I think this is the time for them to, for him and others to just keep playing the game, right? Keep shooting the shots, keep being aggressive. And they're not going to be as good of a shooting team as last or as, as the last, let's say three years. Um, but I would say they, they, and I didn't see the game on big 10 plus because I refused to pay uh, $7 for uh, a big 10 plus game in the middle of Purdue's non-conference when I already pay for cable. Not that big 10 plus has me annoyed or anything like that. Um, but it seems like, uh, you know, you, you, have these these kind of games where um they were getting a lot of open shots uh from the the from like Newbert's post uh post game afterwards they were getting a lot of open shots in the first half that weren't going down and then all of a sudden in the second half they did just keep putting them up and averages will happen averages are funny are a funny thing i said this before the virginia game and virginia wasn't shooting that well you know, the the big takeaway there was averages are a funny thing and they find a way to, uh, you know, the water finds its way to the level. And so this team won't be as good. You know, they're not going to be a 45% three-point shooting team, but they're going to be over 35. So just keep putting them up. Keep, and, and I think the rebounding has been really good, especially on the offensive end. But each game has seen a guy get close to 10 rebounds, so they have a couple people who you can perhaps count on to do job glass, and that makes a big difference, especially when the shots aren't going down. Yeah. So exactly. there's a lot to look at with this team. That's that's okay. Like we'll 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 take our lumps. Um, and this season might not be an elite eight season, but yeah. I mean, and and you know the the thing about you know the the other thing that you tend to look that everybody tends to look at is what the team doesn't have and this is actually this year because of the decisions made in the preseason um is a shallow team and i don't mean that in terms of painter not recruiting i mean that painter made the decision to redshirt um uh mason gillis and brandon newman and mason gillis i think we were all like suspecting um, you know, we were all just, we were all figuring that, yeah, Mason Gillis, uh, doesn't quite have it yet. Um, he needs to grow into it a little bit. That extra red shirt year is going to be really useful for him. Um, but Brandon Newman, he's, you know, he was a top hundred. He was like number 75 overall. He's a, he's a three point shooting threat. It is weird not to have him, especially on a team that needs this kind of backcourt shooting, um, but that's the kind of decision that you make when you're when you're investing not in this year, but in next year, the year after, and the year after that, right? And who knows what those conversations between Newman and Painter looked like, and what the decision criteria was? Because the decision criteria isn't always do you have something to contribute this year or not, right? Mm-hmm. It can be a number of different things that go into the red shirt decision. I yep. think it is kind of weird that they're redshirting two freshmen. Two two good freshmen too. I mean, like you know, uh, uh, the the Gillis one is kind of uh, like the Wheeler decision, right? Given that a lot goes into that decision to redshirt or not, mm-hmm. you can also think about things like, do we have too many bodies and not? You don't have a star, but do you have 
too many people that need time to to uh, develop into their positions. Yeah. Right. Do you, have, you... Do, you have, do you have a dollar made out of dimes? Yeah. Right. And yeah. and how do you manage that? Yeah. I mean, like, I think this is. I think in the last game too. It gave um, Isaiah Thompson a little bit of time to shine. Um, and it is interesting that he was the one that was chosen um, to not reg out of the freshman class. He was the one that didn't redshirt. And it seems like Painter sees his role kind of uh, and the need for, you know, a reliable backup point guard um, uh, you, to be pretty immediately evident. And PJ started and had an impact right away just as well. So, um, and I, and PJ's on the bench too, which is kind of funny to see, um, they're both him. And I think it was DJ bird on there. Or maybe he was last year. Um, there's last another, year. yeah, there's another player, um, like from like this recent era on the bench too. Um, but it is, you know, that the fact that he has such a support system, it's nice that he, um, you know, it's it's nice that he's getting playing time this year. And the fact is that he's one of those key people that, you know, if you had Newman, you probably wouldn't have Eastern. Or if you had Newman, Hunter might not look this good. Um, you know, Hunter might not like even mentally just be in that spot where, yeah, he's the safe two guard and, you know, that's his spot. Nobody's touching it. Same as Sasha. He's going to when he's healthy, he's going to be the other wing, I think. Um, he's going to settle out and be the starting other wing. And so you might be right there um, in that this is a good, um, I think it's a good thing. Um, I also think that Painter is like, you know, he's earned the benefit of the doubt when it comes to these kind of decisions, right? Do you have any thoughts on Eric Hunter? Um, Other than I'm happy to see, you know, the thing about Eric Hunter that's been nice is he struggled for probably three quarters of the season last year. Yeah. Maybe that's even being generous. Like he, he had a really hard time and he hasn't looked like that this, this year. He's looked, um, he looks like he belongs out on the court, which is not something I would say. Yeah. Last, last year, year, last year he did seem a little bit out of, I mean, he, he just seemed out of his depth. Right. And he, um, and now the shot just seems so nice. It's also very cool as a lefty to have three lefties starting for the team is great. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, just to see his shot there, it's also when I you know, alluded to this, when Sasha gets his shot going to, um, and I guess not gets a shot going, but gets his health back up. Yeah. Um, it is, it's going to be fun having both of them on the court together and having the threat of both of their shots, um, you know, viable for the entire game. Right. Yeah. That's the one big thing is that there aren't two players where, um, you can't at all times play a lineup where there are like three or more shooters. Um, when Sasha isn't at, you know, full at his full, uh, strength. And yeah. so when he's playing limited minutes, it's not great. Jahad Proctor has seemed like a great fill-in as well. He's another one where if, if Purdue had Newman, maybe you wouldn't have this, you know, emergence of Proctor and and Hunter, especially in the backcourt. So, uh, you know, it, it is it's a long play for them, and along with next year's class, um, the backcourt of Jaden Ivey and the kid Ethan Morton from here. He's from Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. uh, just outside of Pittsburgh. That might be like the best one-two recruiting punch that Painter has ever gotten in the backcourt. And 
like pair those two with Gillis Newman and these rising, um, you know, these rising players, especially next year. I don't think Purdue graduates a single person um, of note other than with apologies to Tommy Luce. Um, but Purdue loses Jihad Proctor and fills it in with two really, really talented freshmen. Um, and then gets Mason Gillis, gets Brendan Newman in. So this is the long play. If this year Purdue ends up somewhere at fourth or fifth in the Big Ten and whatever, um, it's all right. That's that's all I'm trying to say here. The things that you want to see right now are the development of um, uh Hunter and Stefanovic getting healthy, Trevion Williams uh, dominating for two halves instead of one. The one big thing, or the two big things that are kind of disappointing that I can say kind of definitively so far has been um, No Gel's shot is mm-hmm. still bad. Yeah. And Matt Harms has just been ki- outside of that uh, really great defensive performance in the first game against a nobody team, it's Green Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, he's kind of been a non-factor and he's supposed to be like the, you know, the soul of this team and has to be there a little bit more frequently. Right. No, I think that's fair. And, and the no gel thing is, is fair as well. Uh, we're all sort of sick. Well, maybe I shouldn't say we're all, I am at least sick of like these off season unguarded, yeah, it's like yeah, you, know, you see Ben Simmons shooting a wide open, shooting right. you know, wide open threes in the corner, and then he proceeds to for a month not <laughs> to shoot a three. It's like, right. come on. Yeah. So you need to see it in the game, and I think that's that's uh, we had uh, so many questions going into the season, and we're sort of seeing some answered positively and some not. Like I would say, Eric Hunter's play has been a positive answer. Okay, he belongs out there, right? He's still not perfect. Yeah. But yeah. he can, you can put him out there. He can do some good stuff. That's good. No gel, still great on defense, still strong with the ball, still can't shoot. Right? Yeah. And 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 that is, I think, and his free throw, he, the fact that he can't, isn't rely, like he doesn't, he can't rely on himself to hit free throws. It it takes away from his willingness to drive. This yeah. was something that we saw last year too. Yeah. Um, and so I, I mean, like, and he's such a, I mean, like, he looks just built this year, um, and he's in great shape. It just doesn't seem like he's being as aggressive with the ball as he needs to be. So those two, honestly, the two leaders are the ones that, um, you know, the two juniors are the ones that I'm a little bit disappointed in. But as the year goes on, as the non-conference gone, you just want to see them get a little bit more um, consistent. You have. Um, a game against Jackson, another warm up basically this weekend against Jacksonville State, and then you have um, two legitimate teams in VCU and Virginia to round mm-hmm. out the non-conference. Again, this is a very uh, tough non-conference, like comparatively a very tough non-conference. You're playing four tournament, te- four potential tournament teams, um, so there aren't really easy, you know, easy wins on this. Um, but then you start playing the big 10 uh and you know northwestern and nebraska yeah they technically count as big 10 teams so it's not bad like it's still it's still pretty um you know they they're good they're they 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 got big 10 size i think and but the point being like life's going to come at this team pretty fast and uh there are still some gaps there are still some gaps so let's see how they play like once we get a few more data points against a few more legitimate teams, maybe we can start drawing some stronger conclusions. Results so far are mixed, but you know. 
this is just where we're at in the season. Yeah, it'll be all right. I mean, like, yeah, and and the fact that there it was, I mean, neither one of these, neither one of those losses were blowout losses. They were both very close losses, and they were both very close losses that Purdue had. I Marquette ended up not being very close. Um, but they were both cl- lo- close-ish losses that Purdue had control of uh, the game for a significant portion of the game and kind of gave it away at the end. So if it if Purdue learns how to close against talented teams, especially looking at VCU and Virginia, it, you know, it's all of a sudden it's reset. Again, remember, we've only played four games, so it's all right. So branching off or going in a different direction um, away from Purdue for a minute um, 15 years ago oh. where were where were you 15 years ago oh buddy I was in Carmel Indiana I was, I was like a junior maybe um, I think I was a junior in in high school 16 and how old are you at how what grade are you in at 16 I think it was a junior I think it was I think I was in 11th okay and so I was um sitting on my parents couch which that it was a recliner it was very comfortable we mm-hmm. sold it and the whole set like <laughs> i took that to boston and back to pitts from indy to boston to pittsburgh um i think we sold it like three weeks ago so i still have that and the most i looked at that couch when we took it outside and the most <laughs> memorable is said the most memorable <laughs> thing that happened on that couch was that I was sitting <laughs> in it watching live. I was watching that game. I was alone downstairs watching Ron Artest lose his mind. Just lose loses his, all of his marbles. Yeah. No, um, yeah. That is uh those 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 stick with you. I, I was I was in I was in college. I was at I was at Purdue and I didn't have a car when I was at Purdue. So I remember the girl that I was dating at the time and I went to Walmart and bought groceries. Um, one of those groceries was a fresh box of Reese's Puff cereal. Oh, nice. It was amazing. Because you're an adult and you can make your own decisions. I could, I could eat whatever I want. Exactly. And I was watching the game in the dorm by myself and on bowl probably three of that. And I'm... Um, <laughs> the, the sugar funny, starting the sugar. to kick in and the funny thing is is like when you watch when i watched it live and I, I don't know if this was the same experience for you but for me it took my brain a little bit to catch up to what was yeah. going on yes. because it was so abnormal that i was like wait there are why are there pacer players in the stand while ron artest is actively like throwing punches. I'm like, yeah. I wonder what they're doing up there. And nobody in my house was awake. <laughs> so yeah. like I had to text like ev- basically everybody that I knew one by one. Like you had to, t- you, you couldn't just tweet out and check what everybody was tweeting. You had to get in contact with people that you may not have talked to for like years. Sure. You know, friends that have gone off to college sure. and just text them and be like, Hey, I don't know. I, you know, we haven't spoken in a while. Have you seen this Ron Artest nonsense? <laughs> I, I wandered down the hall of my dorm to my friend Trent's room where he was also watching the game and just sort of like stared at him. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> it is like it, for, for the people that were uh, in either semi invested at the time or like around our age. 
Yeah. Like it is such a like you where were you moment. And it's just <laughs> absolutely nuts. Yes. You know, you got Reggie Miller ended up being suspended for two games after that. And yeah. Reggie was sitting out in a suit with in a broken suit. hand. Yes. By the way, the Pacers were gonna win the championship that year. Yeah, they, well, they, had a, like, they had a great team. They were beating the crap out of a really good Pistons team that they night. Were the champs. They were beating the champs. And and then that happened. And it's it all happened. It took it feels like that whole episode lasted an hour and also 30 seconds. Uh, but you remember everything. <laughs> yes. I yeah. remember every punch that was thrown. I remember the, the, I was funny. I was listening to Bomani Jones talking about um, talking about the, the malice. And he, you know, I think it was Bomani. And um, he was saying like Jermaine O'Neal shouldn't have been punished. Jermaine O'Neal should have gotten bonus pay because he was doing the job of the security <laughs> guards. Like, well, there were people swinging. (laughs) There were people on the floor swinging at the players. Now, to be fair, if Jermaine O'Neal makes contact, that dude doesn't exist anymore. So, no, no, no. He erased them. Yeah, he's lucky. That dude is lucky because that was a momentum punch from a gigantic human being. You remember uh, Super Smash Brothers? You remember yes, the, the Captain Falcon punch where he kind of oh, slides yeah. for a little bit and then does the yeah. punch? That was Jermaine yeah, yeah. O'Neill. It was, um, it was a, a hell of a punch. There were a lot of punches that were – I mean, Artest did not hesitate. Jackson did not hesitate up in the stands. So Ron lost his mind. The, the impressive <laughs> part was – uh, Steven Jackson, who is the best, like, can only be classified as the greatest teammate in NBA history. <laughs> I mean, I wish like, he was my friend. I mean, oh, like, yeah. you know that if he if he's your friend, he's he's like the definition of ride or die. He's ride or <laughs> die. He's ride or die. There were you were you, we were talking about this before. There was that oral oral history. I think that mm-hmm. Jonathan Abrams wrote. Um, You're correct. And I think it was on Grantland about the malice and it was all everybody who's in all the pacers who was who were in the locker room all remember this moment when ron turned to them and was like do you think we'll get in trouble and everybody just kind of looks at him and it's like like yeah yes ron ronald yes yes let me sit you down and explain what just happened. Because even though you did it, you apparently don't realize what just happened. It's incredible. Just absolutely incredible. And also an incredible rebrand. Because nobody who, like, only people who were paying attention in 2005 know that Ron Artest should not be named Metal World Peace. But now everybody <laughs> knows him as Metal World Peace and he's the champion. He won yeah. a ring. Yeah. So shout out to Ron. It um it was like of like my childhood teams. It's one of the childhood teams that I was most invested in at the like it's it's oh, yes. the childhood team I was the most invested in the Pacers. Yes. And more than Purdue, more than uh the Colts. And that kind of era that, you know when you're between like 9 and and like 16 that's like your 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 sports yes. investment peak, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? And so like I was in, and I thought that you know the word on the street was Reggie was going to retire that year, or the next year, yeah. and going out on a championship for Indiana would have been great. Eighteen years in Indiana, going out on championship is great, and then that happens, 
and Reggie, uh, the end of Reggie's career is a playoff loss to who else but the Detroit Pistons. <laughs> which, which, by the way, he got a a standing ovation from the Pistons. And crowd. and Larry Bird or yeah. Larry Brown, I mean, Brown. called an extra timeout yep. to honor his former player. So yeah. very cool. It all ended up very cool, except for the fact yeah. that the Pacers didn't win uh, the championship. But so it was like it's like among the more devastating moments of my sports childhood life. So now we have a fantasy football <laughs> league. I sent you a picture of this just now. And I enjoyed it. Yeah. We have a fantasy football league. It's been going on like 15 years or so. Mm-hmm. And in the last like five years, we've come up with a last place trophy. It is a toilet bowl. A very nice. Very, very nice. nice wood, wood grain. Wood yeah. grain. Oh, yeah. Nice wood grain toilet bowl. Uh, that has a picture frame hot glued in the middle. And the loser has to put their worst sports memory, a picture of their worst sports memory, which has all been predetermined, mm-hmm. uh, in a picture frame and hang it up in a place of prominence. Mine is right above uh, the like where I'm recording right now. Mm-hmm. And um, like in my office, it's beautiful. I'm staring mm-hmm. at Ron right now, and it has a picture <laughs> Of uh, of Ron Ron with his jersey, his beautiful pinstripe jersey, uh, just completely stretched down to his navel, basically. Yep. Yep. And yeah. and it's a it's the iconic picture from that it's incident. So so there's this dude on on Twitter that I follow, C Benjamin Rucker. You follow him? I don't. You should. C B C Benjamin Rucker. Anyway, he had two great tweets on the mouse in the palace. One was he he retweeted the this video of that dude that O'Neal almost killed, like when he squared up to Ron, you you know. Oh, I know. And uh, and the tweet says you can tell the moment right before he got clocked was when he realized that he might be 250 pounds like Ron Ron, but they are not in the same weight <laughs> class. <laughs> and then and then he followed that one up with the mouse in the palace was pros against Joe's uncut. Oh, man. So Look this is this, this is uh, a horrible, awful, completely I mean, unacceptable event that I still find a great deal of humor in. I mean, it's it's surreal. It's like entirely surreal humor. And also, I don't I you can't find a video of it anywhere. You can find a video of literally anything NBA, the entire NBA game, random NBA yeah. January regular season games from 1984 on YouTube, but you can't find the malice on there. <laughs> it's incredible. It's just incredible the amount of uh, propaganda that went into muting all videos of that. So that's our that's our look back at uh, the malice at the palace. And what a look. We could have like a, a whole podcast anthology on that. Oh, yeah. We'll we'll do a look back. There are only four games of Purdue basketball that have been played so far. People. I'm not, don't apologize. The two the two wins don't really count. The two losses, they were close. We're fine. It's okay. Let's watch them play VCU and Virginia. And let's watch <laughs> them kill Chicago State or whoever Jacksonville State they're playing the, mm. this weekend. It's fine. That's, it's... Those are your Purdue thoughts. Uh, but more <laughs> importantly, where were you? Uh, when Malice at the Palace happened. Please tell me. And, and and one final note on the Malice in the Palace. That event followed up by another great event in Pacer history, which was the with uh, Jackson, Tinsley, and others. That the, team, the what? The, the strip club incident? The strip club incident where Steven Jackson 
rolled up and fired his gun in the air outside of the strip club. Yeah, I mean, that in was, as he says, self defense. Well, I mean, naturally, I wasn't there. Prompt, I, maybe. Yeah, hey, listen, <laughs> presumption of innocence. Presumption of innocence. Jamal but, Tinsley was low key kind of a nut job. Like he he turned out to be a little yeah. bit of a screw loose, but. I, at the I'm same time, not, at the right. same time, in NBA Live 2005, Jamal Tinsley, there was a glitch in the system, I think, and Jamal Tinsley's three-point rating was like 99. So yeah. that's what I'll remember Jamal Tinsley for, that and shooting up a strip club in Indianapolis. And, uh, with, that, and with that. And with that. Thank you for listening to the Purdue Basketball Beat. We love you guys. Good night, I guess. <laughs>